In Psalm 34, for the last, I guess, four or five weeks, we've been ministering on this subject concerning the life of praise. The life of praise. And this is our text, Psalm 34. Let's read the first three verses out loud together. Then we'll pray and believe for more uh, revelation. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Praise God. Let's pray and believe God release our faith for the rest of the service right now. Father, we come before you tonight. Our eyes are not on each other. Our eyes are on you. Looking to you. Give everybody ears that hear. Hearts open and receptive. Let there come divine grace deposits and truth impartations. Revelation that makes free. Show us and help us to come up to a higher level and lifestyle of praise, and thanksgiving and worship. Walking with you in a greater awareness and manifestation of your presence and your goodness and your blessing. We give you all the glory and praise. We will not be hearers only, but by your grace, we'll be doers. Put into practice what you show us. We know as we do, we will be blessed because you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Say it out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. So you understand these are the only people who get results in their life are the doers, not just church goers, not just tape players, not just note takers, not just book readers, not just people who talk about it, but what? People who do it. You put it into practice. These are the only people who get results. And that explains why a lot of people are not getting results. You know, because sometimes people say, well, I've been in the way for 30 years. And it just, I don't know why it's not working. Well, because you're not doing it. Simple. Simple. I know where prosperity is concerned. Phyllis and I had been born again for a number of years. I'd already been to Bible school. I was in the ministry for a short time. And we were just broke. I mean, just hurting behind and just, you know, year after year, just in worse shape than you were before. And I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I know this is not your will. I know this is not your plan. I know it's not your fault. Have mercy on me. What I don't see, show me. Hook me up with whoever and whatever will help me with revelation. And he began to teach me. The Bible said, when you cry out and call on the Lord with all your heart, he'll answer you. He'll hear you. He'll reply. Draw nigh to him. He'll draw near to you. And when he began to deal with me, one of the first things he dealt with me about was Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I knew that verse. I'd heard it as a boy growing up. I've been to Bible school. I'd preached about some of these things. But I wasn't really doing it. I wasn't fully doing it. Did you hear me now? See, it's not knowing something that's going to set you free. It's you putting into practice, you being a doer of it. And then we, Phyllis and I made some radical changes. I mean, it was no more kind of sort of tithing when you could. No, I mean, we opened a different account, God's account. Everything that came in, we took the 10 plus percent right off the top before we ever looked at a bill. We put it in God's account. Did you hear me? And you don't touch it for anything else except God's work. Did you hear me? I mean, before any bill, before a house payment, before insurance, before anything, 
And you begin to do that. We did that with the ministry. We did that with our personal stuff. And I'm telling you, things begin to turn around. Things begin to change. We begin to sow different amounts and come up in our increments. And I won't go in. That's not what I'm headed towards tonight. But how many understand you must be a doer, a doer, not just somebody talks about it. You can have a closet full of tapes, right? For you can go to everybody in your brother's meeting and be broke and sick and defeated and confused, right? Unless you are a doer, doer. Say it out loud again. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Well, we're talking about in these sessions about being a doer of the Word concerning praise. According to this passage, I will bless the Lord when? When would that include? When does that not include? Hmm? <laughs> what time does that leave out? Doesn't leave out any times. It includes all times. Well, what if we did it? What if we acted on that? <laughs> well, the very presence of that question reveals it ain't happening, right? People are not, by and large, are not doers of that verse. They praise the Lord for a few minutes on Sunday. They praise the Lord a few minutes, you know, twice a week. He said, his praise shall what? Occasionally. Huh? Oh, no, continually be in my mouth. Well, this describes a lifestyle. It's something we do. It's kind of like a... People have the witness mentality that they put on their witnessing clothes and let's go a witnessing. <laughs> and I, it can be okay to go knock a door or go through stand on the street and pass out a track or two. That's fine. But Acts didn't say you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. And once in a while, you'll go a witnessing. Now, what did it say? You shall be witnesses, right? That's something you are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, everywhere you are, everything. you know. How many believe you should be a witness at home? In front of your kids, in front of your spouse, you should be a witness. That was a little bit weak. How many believe you should be a witness on the job? Should you? At the grocery store, at the gas station. On the ball field. Yes. Some folk laughed about that one. <laughs> on the basketball court. Yeah. Uh, on the baseball diamond. How many believe you should be a witness? How many believe you should be a witness when dealing with money? Yes. Your money, other people's money, sales. Should you be a witness? Yes. What's more important? People or money? People. <laughs> Some folk <laughs> You're like, that's not a trick question. (laughs) What's more important, your car or people? People. Your house or people? People. So what if somebody tears up your car? What's the most important thing to do at that point now is what? It's not that piece of metal. It's the people you're dealing with. Right? People. Somebody's trying to beat you out of money. Somebody's trying to do something with you. What's the most important thing? The money or your witness to them? Your witness to them. Your witness is more important than money and stuff and things. Right? Sales and contracts. Your witness. Never, never compromise your witness over money. Don't do it. If it costs you money, so be it. God will make it up to you. Right? If it costs you money, if it costs you stuff, so be it. Right? Now there's a reason why we're talking about this tonight. Because, you know, I have seen so much ugly stuff by Christians. I mean, they talk a good talk. But when it comes time to turn loose of some money. All that good talk and good ideas out the window. And now, it's my money. Ain't nobody will take my money and my stuff. 
Well, then you said that this is more important than people. This is more important than my witness. My money. I got to keep my money at all costs. No, no, no. Say it out loud. My witness is more important than money. Now, we've been talking about the lifestyle of praise. And if you haven't been here, tapes and CDs are available if you want to catch up with us. But we talked about, we've been asking questions and answering them from the Bible. When, we said, should you praise the Lord? When? Well, man, we saw all kind of good scriptures about praising Him in the morning, about praising Him at midnight, about praising Him in every kind of situation and at every time. A lot of good things. Then we talked about where should you praise the Lord. We've saw all kinds of scriptures about you should praise Him in front of your kids. How many believe your children and grandchildren should hear mom and daddy, papa and mama, praising the Lord, not at church time? Huh? When it's just at the house, they come up on papa in the garage and he don't know anybody's there and they hear papa going, Glory to God. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Huh? How many believe they should, you know, hear mama in the bed at night praying in tongues and praising God? Huh? Should little children grow up with that? Should they grow up in that environment and hear that? Yeah. It's sad. A lot of children, the only time they ever hear their parents praising God is at church. That's it. That's not okay. The Bible talked about praising the Lord in the great congregation. Should you open your mouth and pray and praise vocally, out loud, audibly, so that you can hear your own voice with your ears and other people can hear you? Sometimes people say, well, now, Brother Key, that's just not me. I'm just, I'm, I'm, are you trying to say bound? (laughs) Well, well, no, no, I'm just reserved. That's just not me. I praise the Lord quietly in my heart and I'm not comfortable with praising publicly. Well, now this is not about you and us. The Bible said, the Bible, his praise will continually be in my my mouth, not just in my heart, not just in my head, my mouth. And what people are getting into is they are ashamed of the Lord. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Why else? Why would you have a problem? You're afraid somebody else will hear you say, praise the Lord. I mean, sinners will cuss in front of you. Right? Why should you be hesitant? Why should you be intimidated? No, it should be just as normal to you as taking a breath, right? And if somebody hears you say, praise the Lord, well, great. Now, you don't put on a show for anybody. You're not doing it for their benefit. But when this is a lifestyle with you, it's going to come out. You know, (laughs) I've been flying with a guy that he doesn't go to church here, you know, and his background is different from this. But I mean, you know, we get a good routing or something. And I prayed and asked for favor before I took off and it works out. And I go, praise God. He goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't apologize. Did you hear me? Why? Because I asked the Lord for favor. Here it is. Right? Right. Lord, watch out for us. Protect us. Take care of us. And you see thing after thing after thing. And that's how it should be. And when he does things for us, we don't just sit there with our lip zipped and go, hmm. (laughs) Go ahead. Open your mouth. He did it for you. Right? He did it for you publicly. Go ahead publicly and say, thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You came through for me. You heard my prayer. You answered my prayer. You granted my request. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead right now. Out loud. Everybody. Out loud. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for coming through for us again and again. Thank you. I praise you. I'm not ashamed to say praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lift my voice. Glory, 
be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So we, uh, we answered the question, where should you praise the Lord? Now we've been talking about for a couple of sessions now, why? Why should you praise the Lord? Now when I say praise, I'm combining several things. I'm talking about praise and I'm talking about worship and I'm talking about thanksgiving and I'm just using the one word praise. But why should you and I praise the Lord? Well, we looked at one area, we said this, because he told us to, right? Walking by faith, you shouldn't have to know everything and see everything. If he told you to, and did he? Did he tell us to? Well, we went to a number of scriptures and saw that. He told us to. That's why you ought to praise him. But then also we said we ought to praise him because he is worthy. He is, what does that mean? Worth. He is worth praising, right? Worthy to be praised. He ought to be praised. I mean, he gives us life and breath and all things and brightness of mind. I mean, he ought to be praised. He's every good thing we've ever enjoyed and every good thing in our future is from his hand. We ought to praise him. I said we ought to praise him. If anybody is worthy to be praised. It's him. If anybody's worth praising, it's him. It's him. He's worth praising. He's worthy to be praised. And then last week, we camped for some time on this one. Why should we praise the Lord? We should praise him because praise, thanksgiving worship, blesses him. It blesses him. It ministers to him. It's something he enjoys. He gets pleasure and benefit out of it. Now that's a high thought. Right? That the creation could bless the creator. Right? That those who are dependent upon him to give us everything, that there is something we can give him. That he will receive and enjoy. Now, you know, I don't take the time to go over all the scriptures, but man, I mean, it is beyond question. It is beyond doubt. We saw scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, how that real praise, real worship from the heart and in faith pleases God. And we see in the scripture where real true prayer and praise comes up before the Lord like incense. And that he receives it and takes it into himself and is pleased. It blesses him. It ministers to him. Now, friend, does that do anything for you? I mean, that I can bless God? (laughs) Not just your praise, but he talked about offerings. Uh, You know, when you bring your tithes and your gifts and your offerings, if you bring it properly. And when you bring your praise, you should bring that like an offering. And it's sad that a lot of people have never seen this. I mean, they come to church and just stand and act deadhead and look around and watch other people. And they're bringing nothing. And so many people in church, they completely got away from the New Testament, completely got away from the Word, from the Old Testament days. Coming together before the presence of the Lord was not just about receiving. It was about bringing something to the Lord. It was about bringing to him your offerings, which included your praise. And in the New Testament, there needs to be major mind renewal in the church. That we don't come and plop down and act like, you know, we've done it because we showed up. Hey, we showed up. What else you want me to do? Well, it ain't between me and you. It ain't just between your pastor and you. It's between you and your God. And you're not supposed to just come and plop down. You're supposed to come. You were to have gotten ready before you ever came to church and brought some faith in your heart and brought some thanksgiving and you got your money gift and you got your tithe and you show up before the Lord and you give to him. You bless him. You worship him. And when you do it properly, it pleases him. It comes up before him. Amen. You remember the centurion? 
The Bible said that his prayers and his alms came up before God. And he was lacking some knowledge of Jesus. And I mean Jesus supernaturally got a hold of Peter and shook him on the housetop with that vision. Gave him the man's address and sent him over there. I'm telling you, these things get God's attention. Canceled his giving, his alms, and his prayers. And we've already talked about, like one individual said, praise is the highest kind of prayer. When you're praising, aren't you talking to God? See, it's a form of prayer. Lord, we worship you. We pray. Are you talking to God? But see, it is a form of prayer. And we saw in the scripture in Revelation more than one place where it's, we could see it. In the spirit, these things, praise and prayer, have a form. And they were typified in the Old Testament by the incense that was constantly burned inside the holy place. And this cloud of sweet-smelling aroma and incense and fragrance was always there. And that's what our prayer and our praise and our money offerings are like before the Lord. It comes up before Him. When it's from the heart in faith because you love God and because you believe in God, it comes up before Him and God receives it, inhales it. Takes it in and likes it. He's pleased with it. That's why we ought to praise him. I said that's why we ought to praise him. Because it blesses him. Real praise blesses him and ministers to him. Now here's another reason tonight. Why we ought to praise the Lord. Are you ready for some more? You sure? Check your neighbors if they're awake now. Are they ready? (laughs) Why should we praise the Lord? Because he told us to. Because he's worthy. Because it blesses him. And because it helps us. I said praise helps us. Oh, big time. You're there in Psalms. Are you still in Psalm 34? Go back, if you would, uh, to the thirty. Third Psalm, just back a page or so, and look at this, Psalm 33 and 1. Psalm 33, 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. Who's he talking to? That's us, rejoice in the Lord. For praise is comely for the upright. Praise is comely. That word comely means suitable, we might say appropriate. It also means beautiful. Praise is comely for who? That's us. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the upright in Jesus. And praise is comely For us and on us, it is suitable, it is appropriate for us, and it is beautiful on us. Praise looks good on us, makes us look good. How many would like to be better looking? (laughs) Here you go. I said, here you go. I know it sounds humorous, but I'm not joking. It's like the Bible's not joking. Some old brother Keith, you're talking figuratively. Mm-mm. No. How many understand beauty is more than skin deep? Right? You know, it's sad that you got so many people, they've been told by others, sometimes even their parents, and others that you're average, you know. And they think that they're in a completely different category looks-wise than people they see on magazine covers and on the silver screen. There's not that much difference between you and them. So, now, Brother Keith, now I know you're, you're, you're confused. There's not. There's not. There's not. Ever since Adam and Eve, everybody's... Pretty similar in many, many ways. Now, we're all unique. Somebody said, what do you mean, Brother Keith? Beauty is much more 
than just your stature or your body type that you were born with. You take supposedly the most attractive man or woman. And if they're full of bitterness. And they're full of selfishness. And they're full of hate. It makes them ugly. Right? Makes them, they'll scrunch up their face. and It makes their countenance. And being around them, I mean, you can't even see their fine features for their attitude. Right? It makes them ugly. And any of us, no matter what we might think about where we are on the scale of good looking, you put the glory of God on your countenance. <laughs> and your lookability just went up. And praise is connected with that. Praise looks good on us. Praise is comely and beautiful and beautifying to us. How many remember when uh, Moses was up on the mount with the Lord? Forty days and nights. And when he came down, he looked different. Right? He'd been this close (laughs) to the Almighty for a month and a half. And the glory of God, and we're not talking now figuratively, the glory of God had literally, physically changed his face and his countenance and his appearance. And he literally shined like a light bulb. He had to put a cloth over his face because the people were freaking out. The Bible said Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. The glory of God came on him and even his clothes changed color. They were whiter than any bleach could ever bleach them. And his face and his head and his hair and his skin shone. Well, friend, you and I can tap into a measure of that every day in our life. If we'll live a lifestyle of praise on the higher plane. Amen. And you can bop into work after worshiping God from the time you opened your eyes in the morning. And people will go, what are you using? Man, what lotion? What makeup? What this? Uh, Who's your barber? Who? What is it? Did you lose weight? What is it? They can't put their finger on it because you look good. You radiate life. This is supposed to be part of our witness. That people who don't know God, they see this on us and they feel this. They don't know what it is. But they see this. They feel this. They think, man, you're something else. You say, you think I'm something? You ought to see my master. What happened to you? Just hanging around with him. Hanging with him. Fellowshipping with him. The glory of God, the presence of God manifests. Now, go to, if, hold your place there in the Psalms, put your marker there or something if you can, and flip over to Ephesians. We said this word comely means suitable as well as it means beautiful. In uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Verse 2, Ephesians 5, 2. Walk in love, he said, as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor or fragrance or aroma. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints how many understand this stuff does not fit us this stuff doesn't match us now see christians are getting into this stuff all over the place but it is a mismatch to say christian adulterer right Spirit-filled 
thief. <laughs> Did you hear what I'm saying? Does that match? That don't match. See, people use the term spirit-filled far too loosely. I've heard people say things like this. Did you hear about brother so-and-so? What? You know, he ran off with the piano player and the building fund. And you know, he's spirit-filled. Tongue talker. Well, not that day he wasn't. (laughs) And not a lot of days before then. Well, yeah, I heard him talking in tongues that morning. I don't care. You don't do stuff like that when you're full of the Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is incongruous. This is incompatible. This is doesn't match us. Doesn't fit us. Right? Now, he goes on to the list of things that are not becoming to saints. Verse 4, what? Filthiness, nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but what is appropriate for us suitable comely but rather giving of thanks that's what suits us that's what matches us thanksgiving giving of thanks not filthiness and foolish talk how many understand so-called dirty jokes that don't suit us right using profanity That doesn't fit us. That doesn't suit us. Vulgarity. And there are a lot of people, and you even see people, I've seen ministers and youth ministers and different, trying to be cool, use slang and worldly phraseology, thinking that's going to cause the youth or whoever they're with to think they're cool so they can minister to them. No. I said no. There's a lot of stuff that it just doesn't fit. It's unbecoming on our lips. Right? People should not hear you talk profanity, Amen. vulgarity, off-color stuff. How many understand there's a lot of jokes you ought never tell? Amen. Right? And when you see where it's going, you just need to hold up your hand and say, you know, I don't want to hear that. Well, you think you're too good to hear that? You could say that. But I'd rather not. (laughs) Right? Our ears are supposed to be holier than that. Our eyes are supposed to be holier. Our mind, our mouth. Right? There's all these things he said they are not becoming to saints. But what is? What does look good on us? What matches us? Praise. Giving thanks, man, it looks good on us, it fits us, it matches us, and it makes us look good. Makes us look good. Glory. I mean, if you really believe this, it should excite you, because you realize I can look better by the end of the week, next week, than I do now. (laughs) I know it sounds funny, but I ain't joking. I've been reading scripture to you. You literally can be better looking over a period of time. Why? Because the glory of God affects your countenance. The sweetness of God, the love of God, the goodness of God can come through your eyes and through the tone of your voice, literally through your skin. How many believe God is real? His presence is real. His glory is real. His love is real. Just so many people are not walking in much of it. But you can have all you desire. But you got to change what you talk about. You can't wake up in the morning and slap the alarm clock and kick your dog. (laughs) And grumble, grumble, grumble. What do you got to do? Open your eyes and praise the Lord. Say, this is another good day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to magnify the Lord. Bless His holiness. And you're not trying to be religious. You're not trying to do your duty in drudgery. No, this is just you. This is how you live. It's the way you are. You breathe and your heart beats and you say, praise God. That's you. Right? It's a different life. 
I said, it's a different life. You don't cry about what you don't have. You don't lay in the bed and feel sorry for yourself about what somebody didn't do for you. Did you hear me? That's not the lifestyle of praise. How many understand, even in the most difficult situations, you can find something to be thankful for, right? Maybe it's a bad situation, but if you believe God's bringing you out, you can be happy about that, right? You might have debt up to your eyes, but you can thank God for paying everything off for you. You might be hurting, racked with pain in your body, but you can thank God for your healing. Not focus on that. That brings us to this other thing, how praise helps us. Specifically, we said it looks good on us. It helps our countenance. I won't take time to get into it, but Psalm 42, 5 and 11, he said, I will praise him uh, for the help of his countenance. Verse 11 says, he's the help of my countenance. And my God, when I praise him, he helps my countenance. Literally. And the Bible said in Proverbs 15, 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. When things are going on inside your heart, it affects your face. If you say, well, yeah, my heart is full of joy. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. If it ain't showing up on your face, it's not in there. I know people don't like that, but that's just a fact. The Bible said a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. If it's in you and you're full of life and joy and faith, it's going to show up on your face every time. Your face indicates what's in your heart. I preach a sermon once in a while. The title of it is, What Are You Full Of? And we talk about, as you could imagine, it gets real interesting. What are you full of? And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what if somebody's all the time praising God and glorifying God? Well, that's what's coming out of their mouth. What does that reveal? That's what their heart's full of. Not just doing it in church to impress somebody else. This is all the time. Lifestyle, that means that's what you're full of. Full of God. Full of faith. Full of joy. Now let's go on. Why should we praise him? Go, you were in Psalm 33. Go back to the Psalms and just turn over to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Why should we praise the Lord? We should praise him because praise, thanksgiving, worship helps us. It does many things for us. We're beginning to talk about what it does for us. Praise affects our countenance, affects is comely for us. Also in Psalm 35, look in verse 26, Psalm 35:26 says, "Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves." Against me. Let them shout for joy. wonder if somebody would hear that. Yeah. And be glad. Not just shouting to be shouting. But you're glad while you're shouting. That favor my righteous cause. Yea let them say continually. How often? Something else we're supposed to do all the time. Say continually. Let the Lord be magnified let's say that out loud three or four times together let the Lord be magnified say it again let the Lord be magnified say it again let the Lord be magnified magnified let him be what magnified let the Lord be magnified he went on to say which has pleasure In the prosperity of his servant. Which pleases God? You being broke or you having something? Then why do millions of Christians not believe that? Hmm? Say it out loud. It pleases God. God. When I prosper. prosper. 
That's what the Bible says right there, right? It pleases him when I prosper, when I'm increased, when I'm blessed materially and financially, when I prosper in every way, it pleases him. It pleases, well, anybody with kids knows that, right? It doesn't make you happy when your kids are behind on their bills, when they're hurt and they're broke, right? You're happy when your kids are doing well. Makes you happy if they make more money than you. Right? And they just got tons of money. You just makes you happy. Right? Bigger the house, the better. Newer the car, right? Parents want to see their kids do well. What about our heavenly father? Does he want to see us do well? Or does he get some kind of pleasure out of seeing us wriggle and hurt? Try to scrap up enough to pay an electric bill. No, no. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. But notice what's connected with it is us saying continually, saying continually, let the Lord be magnified. Now, have you read that statement before? How many know that's in the scriptures more than one time? Let the Lord be magnified. Turn that over to the 40th Psalm. I'll just show you a few more of them while we're here. Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Verse 16. Psalm 40, 16. Let all those that seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation. Who's that? Let them say continually, say what continually? The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Turn right over to Psalm 69. There are a number of these, but let's just show you two or three. Psalm 69 and 30. 69, 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. Who's that for? I will praise the name of God with a song. How many Christians would that be for? Everybody? Is it right for everybody to sing songs to God? Everybody. Because you've got a lot of people that say, well, now, Brother Keith, I'm not a singer. Yeah, you are. Different singers sound differently. And like we've said before, you know, not everybody should record. But everybody should sing. Everybody. Someone says, man, I, I can't sing. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And one reason why people, you know, feel so awkward about it, they've just never done it. And that's one reason why their voice is weak pitch-wise, because it's just like a muscle. you got to exercise it. And if you've never tried and you never make an effort, it's never going to improve. But the Lord's not listening to see how pitch perfect you are. He's listening for your heart. And there's a blessing that you'll get lifting up your voice singing that you won't get any other way. Talking and talking and talking will only go so far. But when you lift up your voice and you sing, you'll find you step up. Did you hear me? You step up. You reach deeper in your spirit. You express your heart further and more. So how many singers do I have in here now? Singers of songs to the Lord. Every hand ought to be up. Every hand. Every hand. If you're not comfortable with somebody else hearing you, well, go somewhere where nobody is for a while. (laughs) If you have to cover your head under the quilt or something, but do it. Do it. See, he said, I will praise the name of God with a song. And I'll what? I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Now, here's a very specific way how you magnify him. Praise, thanksgiving, worship is a means of magnifying God. Do we need to magnify God? I mean, we've seen two or three places already that we're to say continually, let the Lord be magnified. But what does that mean? The word magnify, it literally means what we think it means. It means to make large, to make 
great. One definition is to become strong and significant. I like that word significant. That gives you some insight. We don't make God any bigger as far as he's concerned. But can he be bigger to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing is, with so many people, the problem is so huge. And God is so small. I've run across it with professionals. Now, not everybody's this way. But, you know, people in many walks of life that don't know God. I was talking to somebody not too long ago, medical professional, and they just didn't know God very well. But they were like, yeah, you know, y'all pray if you want to. It might help a little bit. That kind of thing. Because they're doing the main thing. Well, see, what are they magnifying? They're magnifying. The, and don't you misunderstand me. Thank God for good doctors and nurses. Because that's not representative of everybody. There's a whole lot of people that magnify God in the profession. But I just use that as an example. You see that in all different walks of life. Well, you talk about believing God or you talk about God. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, if that makes you feel better. What are they saying? They're saying that you're praying, and they don't mean to be saying it, but the God you're praying to, and what he will or won't do is insignificant. And what we're going to do is really everything. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? That's a huge problem. What are you and I supposed to do as believers? We magnify God. In every situation, in every set of circumstances, in every need, they give you a bad report. What do you do now? You're not going to make it. This is terminal. Now, I mean, the moment, the moment you hear something, you got to make a choice now, right? You're going to do one or the other. You'll magnify this problem or you'll magnify God. So many Christians, they love God, they mean well, but they're not trained and their faith is so weak, they immediately begin to magnify the problem. Not just lay people, preachers. I've had people call me before, you know, and they're just desperate ministers on the other side. Brother Keith, i got to have $100,000 by the end of the month. $100,000. I don't know where I'm going to get it. We ain't talking five dollars here. We're talking a hundred thousand. What are they doing? Are they magnifying God? No. No. What are they magnifying? They're magnifying the hundred thousand dollars. They're going, oh, great hundred thou. How great thou are, hundred thou. Huh? Oh, they wouldn't say it in just those words, but that's what they're doing. I've had people get mad at me because I wouldn't jump in and join them. They were in the, the service. They heard the message and they came and said, yeah, now, Brother Keith, you know, that's fine and good for a lot of people. But you don't understand. My situation is different. The Bible says it's not different. The Bible said there has nothing happened to you except what is common to all men. Did you hear me? No, it's not different. Yeah, but no, my situation is special, Brother Keith. You don't understand. It's special. It's different. And you begin to share the word. They go, no, that might be okay, you know, for these little old light stuff that these other people. But you don't understand. What they're wanting you to do is agree with them and go, oh, yeah. Now, your problem. It's in a category unto itself. Never seen a problem like your problem. And they're wanting you without saying it in exact words. They're wanting you to go, oh, great problem. Oh, oh, what a huge problem. But no, faith doesn't do that. Fear focuses on the need. Fear focuses on the lack. Fear focuses on the disease. Unbelief focuses on the problem. Faith. 
focuses on God. Faith magnifies God. Now you got to be strong in this because uh, so much of the folk in the world, even Christian people, even your relatives and people around you, they're so immersed in unbelief and fear that they try to demand that you agree with them about the terribleness of the problem. But if you're going to have victory, you can't do it. I said, you can't do it. You can't get with him. At some point you have to say, that's enough. I've heard enough about the problem. Yeah, but I don't, that's it. I don't want to hear. Let me tell you about my healer. Let me tell you about the God who can heal anything. He's the Lord who heals me. He made my body. This is easy for him. What are you doing now? Ah, you magnifying God. How can you stay in that day and night with your praise? Oh, God, I worship you. You're bigger than any disease. You're bigger than any debt. You're bigger than any payment. I worship you. I magnify you. This is nothing to you. Yeah. That's faith. I mean, you can tell just with us talking about it a little bit. You can tell it. Can you? I mean, you can feel it in your spirit. This is it. And a lot of people know about this. A lot of people will agree with it in church, but they don't do it at home. They don't do it by themselves. They don't do it. They sit down and cry. Talk on the phone for three hours with their friends. And when they get through, they feel lower than when they started. Why? Because all you did for three hours was magnify the problem. That's all you did. Talk about how bad it is, how far gone it is, how hopeless it is, how impossible. And faith comes by hearing. You hear that for three hours? What do you have faith in? In the terribleness and the impossibility of your situation. That's why I'm saying you've got to come to the place where you say, that's it. I don't want to hear about that anymore. We had to get that way concerning this church. When we, you know, came to Branson and the Lord directed us to start this church. Not everybody thought we should. Some of my friends, they're like, Brother Keith, what are you doing? You got a good ministry. What if this happens? And what if that don't? And you're not starting in a storefront. What are you going to do with that big place? Do you know what 50 people is going to look like in that big place? Do you know how much the utilities are going to be on that place? Do you know how much the answers? Do you know how much the upkeep? Do you know? Do you know? And I mean, well-meaning people, but call after call, day after day. Week after week. Finally, Phyllis and I said, no more. I don't want to hear anything else about a bill. I don't want to hear anything else. God is my source. Number, you cannot scare God with a number. How many of you You cannot scare God. You say, God, we're going to need a billion we're going to need a billion. And God's going to go, whoo, how much? Michael, Gable, where are we going to get a billion? Are you kidding? You know what a billion is to God? What would a billion be to someone who creates planets and stars? What would a trillion, what would it be to him? Wouldn't be like a penny to you or me. Right? That's what faith must feed on. How big God is. How smart he is. How wise he is. How strong he is. Right? What connections he has. You got to talk like that. You got to say, God, you can get this money to me without making a phone call. 
I mean, you got connections. I know you know how to do it. I know. I know you do. I know you do. You can heal this without lifting your little finger. I know you can. This is easy for you. It's easy for you. You magnify him and you look at the problem and go, what are you? What are you, cancer? You're nothing up to God. You're nothing beside God. Nothing beside God. You know, every time I get to talking about this, I think about David. You think about David? I'm talking about before he was King David. David, when he faced Goliath. Anybody remember that? Oh, I'm telling you, he did not magnify the giant. He magnified God. And that's what faith always does. Oh, we got to look at it. Go back to 1 Samuel. We got to look at it. I got to preach about it a little bit before you go tonight. Everybody say magnify God. Not the problem. Now see, that's why we ought to praise the Lord all the time. Right? Because when you're praising Him, you're not praising the problem. Giving thanks for Him, you're talking about how big He is. How great He is. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. David had been out with the flocks. Playing his harp out and in the night air. His daddy sent him to his brothers who were on the campaign against the Philistines. And there was this dude called Goliath. And he was a big boy. <laughs> I mean, by conservative numbers, he's a big boy. Eight, nine feet, 600 pounds, 700 pounds. Everybody say big boy. (laughs) And he wasn't just a big boy. He had been trained in the arts of war since he was a little child. And he was a killing machine. Everything about, that was his whole identity. Everything he was, every breath he took, every meal he ate. That was his identity. And he'd obviously killed a lot of people. And he went out and dared the whole army of Israel. For them to send anybody to him. And he's ribbing them. I mean this has gone on for day after day after day. Are you men or mice? Send me a man. I thought you came out here to fight. Are you telling me there's not one man in the whole bunch of you that's not yeller? He did this for days. And he must have been a bad looking man. Because nobody moved a peg. Right? I mean, nobody moved. And there were some warriors in this bunch, but nobody said a peep. Nobody said somebody ought to do something about that. Nobody. It was just quiet. And he'd tell his speech and go. And the Bible said he cussed them. He talked bad about their mama. I mean, he talked bad about God. He's trying to stir something up. And he is so mean looking and so big and so bad till nobody, nobody would touch him. And David came, probably a teenager, looked more like a model than a warrior, that big tassel of hair and fair complexion. Musician, singer, and he uh, shows up and he hears this guy and he says, hey, somebody needs to shut him up. (laughs) He looked around and somebody's got to shut him up. Did you hear what he said about your mama? (laughs) Did you hear what he said about Jehovah? Somebody's got to shut him up. Made his brothers mad. Because they had been there and they hadn't said nothing for weeks. And nobody else had. And I mean this was such a deal, such a stigma. Until the king had posted this huge reward. That whoever was man enough to go meet this guy. And if he took him out. He's going to get to marry the king's daughter. He's going to be in the royal family. And now his whole family never have to pay taxes again. There was a lot of incentive going on. 
And still nobody, nobody moved or said a word. You know the story. David said, I'll go fight him. He couldn't have been looking at this guy's size when he made this decision. Right? He's not a man. He's a boy. He's not a warrior. He's a shepherd and a musician. He couldn't have been looking. He couldn't have been magnifying how much a guy weighed. He couldn't have been saying, how tall you think he is? Got to be a bit of nine foot. Man, how big you think his arms are? That's got to be a 35 inch bicep if I've ever seen one. (laughs) I bet you weigh every bit of 700 pounds. Look at the size of that spirit. How many understand? He could not have been doing that and made the decision. Could he? No. How many understand? There are things in your life, they're there, they're in your face, but you must not look at them. Hmm? You know what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4.18? We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Can you do that? Can you stand there looking at this thing? It's there. You see it, but you don't see it. You choose not to look at it. You choose not to dwell on it. You choose not to think about it. You choose not to talk about it. He must have been convincing. He was so convincing to the guys. He got audience with the king. And when the king heard it, he was so convincing to the king. You know, he's looking at him. He's a boy, but he's thinking, there's something about this kid. I know it sounds ridiculous, but he may have a shot at taking him. And they let him go. The whole thing is miraculous. I mean, that they, I mean, he bypassed all uh, the SWAT team and the uh, <laughs> Green Berets and the SEALs and the Rangers. You understand what I'm saying? And all the generals. This is a military. This is an army out here. And here's a boy. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's standing out there on the field saying, what would you say about my mama? You want a man? I'm your man. Here I am. Hmm? He couldn't have been looking at the size of this. He couldn't have been thinking about how strong he is or how many people he's killed, how many notches is on his spear being. Couldn't have been thinking about all that. What did he magnify? That giant looked at him and he was insulted. He said, you send a kid out here with a stink? Am I a dog? You go, come on, boy. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds today. You come on. David pulled out his sling. He said, you come to me with your 700 pounds. You come to me with your big spear and all your stuff. I come to you. In the name of the Lord of hosts, I come to you in Jehovah's power and ability, and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds and all your brothers and cousins and kinfolk too. And he ran towards him. How could he do that? How could he do that? He can only see God. Did you hear this now? He doesn't see a giant. He didn't call him a giant. He said, you uncircumcised Philistine. Didn't call him a giant. Didn't call him a, a man-killing machine. 700 pounds of muscle and trained assassin. No, no, no. Uncircumcised Philistine. You are nothing beside God. And he ran. And met him, wound up that sling, and bing, right between the eyes. And the bigger they come, (laughs) sound like an oak tree. It just been, boom, he bounced, and all of his armor and spears fell off the side, and it was over. It's like that. How many believe God can do that same kind of thing in your life? 
and my, no matter how impossible it seems, how huge the debt, how terrible the disease, how far gone the situation, can you have faith like David? Can you? You don't have to be well known. You don't have to be able to quote all the Bible. You just must believe God's bigger. You must believe He's bigger. Do you believe God's bigger than cancer? That was weak. That was too weak. Come on, now think about it. If it's you, if it's your relatives, if it's somebody you're standing with, is God bigger than cancer? Oh, there's no comparison. Is He bigger than AIDS? Is He bigger than high blood pressure or diabetes or any? He's, He's bigger. What is cancer beside the creator of the heavens and the earth? Nothing. And that's how you got to think and that's how you got to talk. What will help you get in that frame of heart and mind? Praising God. What will help you stay in that place? Praising God. When it comes up. Now see, use it like a weapon. Use it like a, a defensive and an offensive mechanism. When you get a bad report, what's trying to come in? The enemy's trying to come in and say, oh, this is bigger than you can handle. You're done now. This is it. You're dead. Your finances are ruined. That's it. You're done. What must you do? You do not let somebody just feed that to you the rest of the day. You do not just sit down and think about that and talk about that. What do you do? You say, oh, no, 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 no. God has brought me through again and again and again. He's healed me again and again. He's paid my bills. This is nothing. This is nothing. And then you tell God, God, you're bigger than this thing. I know you are. This is easy for you to fix for me. This is easy for you to heal. This is easy for you to bring this money into my life. This is easy. And I'm just going to go ahead and thank you for doing it right now. And you thank him and you praise him. And you thank him and you praise him. And thank him and you praise him. And while you're doing that, you're not sitting there thinking about how bad it is. You're not laying there feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> this is how you do it. This is how you come out. This is how you win again and again and again. You magnify God. You magnify. What did our text say? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What else? Huh? Well, you better turn there. You're you're close by. Psalm 34. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise Magnifies God, glorifies God, helps you get out of the depression, out of the fear, out of focusing on the problem. Praise God. What's a million dollars to God? Uh, What's all the debt you've got added up, multiplied time a thousand? What would that be to God? Nothing. Is it easy for him to bring the money in for you to pay that thing off? Come on now, easy. Is it easy for God? All you got to do is expect it. That's, you don't have to make it happen. You just expect Him to do it. And it's easy for Him. He created the sun. He made the planets. He made the ocean. He made the mountains. Hallelujah. He made gravity. He made light. This stuff is nothing for Him. So easy for Him. The prophet said, Ah, oh, Lord God. You've made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too hard for you. Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.